Hello, and welcome to the NPRD podcast with nurse practitioner and registered dietitian Robin Kivit. Eating disorders, body image, medicine, they are all interconnected. But with so many programs, techniques, and advice to choose from, it's easy to be overwhelmed. Robin, with more than 25 years of experience as a nurse practitioner and registered dietitian, offers help and hope for everyone, families, children, and adults. Along with veteran talk show host and good friend, Jordan Rich, Robin invites you to learn much more right here on the NPRD podcast. Welcome to the next edition of the NPRD. We are so fortunate today to have colleague and friend Karen Chinka. She is a licensed independent clinical social worker, a certified eating disorder specialist supervisor, and a diplomat of the Academy of Cognitive Therapy. Karen has her own practice, inclusive of other clinicians that she supervises, and her practice name is Nourished Minds Counseling and Wellness. So welcome. Yes. Hi, Robin. Such an honor to be here. I'm so excited. I wanted you on the show for so long. Oh, well, um, I'm really excited. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I just want to talk initially about like, I think we, how we met, I think we met sharing a case, but I think it was probably eight years ago. I don't know, maybe longer. What do you think? You know, I would say it was about eight years ago. Yeah, we started out sharing a case, um, very complicated case, but you know, it was so great working with you. Um, Just you're such a great collaborator and such a great dietitian and nurse practitioner. So it's been, it was really wonderful getting to know you on that case. I know. And we, I think we collaborate very well. And subsequently, you had invited me to come to one of the Greater Boston Wellness Collaborative meetings. And we've been working together in the collaborative since. And I think we, I I think we share more cases, for me, at least, we share more cases um, than really with, with it anyone else. It's it's fruitful, rich, dynamic work. And I appreciate that with you because I think we're always thinking and wondering and considering how we can do better. Um, and certainly, I think maybe push our clients, but as you might say more recently, let down the rope. So <laughs> I'm curious as to that. that that's right. So yes, um, we you know, we had you come on, we have a collaborative right now, Robin is a, we're all members of this collaborative, there's six of us. Um, We focus on eating disorders. And so that's really how we got to know each other. We all share cases together, we collaborate, um, we've done events together. So yeah, yeah. And events from, you know, in person pre pandemic to school, events, you know, by Zoom for different schools. And you and I have presented at national conferences and international conferences together. We've done a lot. That's right. It's amazing to see (laughs) how much work we've done together. That's right. Yeah. And you had asked a question about dropping a rope. Yeah, I really, I really want to hear a little bit about that. Sure. So, so what we mean by that, that is a metaphor that we use in a type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy, which I've become a lot more trained in. I actually went to a four day boot camp, ACT boot camp in San mm-hmm. Francisco this fall. 
So one of the techniques they use, you know, often as therapists, what we do is we are constantly pushing our clients to want to recover, whether it's from an eating disorder, depression, anxiety, OCD, what have you. And so one of the techniques, you know, when we're trying to push too hard, it can really backfire in our treatment. So letting go. Um, as therapists, as providers, just to drop the rope and let the client develop the internal motivation to want to recover. It really can't come from us because it doesn't work if it comes from us. So we drop the rope and we let the client do the work and we tell the client we're on the journey with you, not in front of you or behind you. We're with you here, whatever you want, we're going to respect your desire to to want to recover not recover but we're here with you does that make sense it makes so much sense and i appreciate it so much as i'm thinking about what you're saying it reminds me of so many conversations but especially when i had last night with another provider that we both know very well and you know we talk about this a lot in our meetings in the collaborative but it it just comes up so much is you know, as clinicians, often we sometimes feel like we're working harder than our client or patient. And that puts us in a very difficult position and is one we don't want to be in. So would you say that in dropping the rope, then you're potentially not working harder than your client or patient? Absolutely. You know, we are work. It's so much easier for us. We can go home and we can sleep so much better when we do that, because we're just not working. As you say, we're not working so, so hard because I think the true test is, are we working harder than the client? And we really shouldn't be working harder than the client. They need to do the work. Right. So it just, it, it this is what really leads to burnout for so many providers is just pushing and pushing and wanting recovery more than that. We want recovery more than they do. And it just doesn't help. Well, and I think that speaks to the question too, the longer I'm in the field, and I think I, mean, I would guess you would say the same thing. You know, we do tend to see some some fairly chronic folks. And mm-hmm. what what we need, I think, to be okay with is that chronicity at times. If, mm-hmm. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah. So I want to get over to more of your specialties otherwise, which is OCD. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you and I have shared and will continue to share many cases where there's the dual diagnosis of the OCD and eating disorder presenting. And I'm wondering how you became interested in working with these folks. So I um, started out my career in uh, 2004 when I got my MSW a long time ago. And Um, When I started my private practice over 10 years ago, uh, I started working with a lot of clients with eating disorders. Um, So I really recognized I needed to become more uh, more informed, develop more of a specialty in eating disorders. And so I did. Um, And then I also got my I became certified in cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, And one of the things which I um, felt was so, so interesting, it really works, is working with folks with OCD. 
um, using exposure and response prevention, which is the gold standard of treatment for OCD, which is very much um, an active therapy, can be really creative. There's a protocol with this therapy. So I was seeing clients with both, but what I was noticing is so many of my clients with eating disorders were coming in and they had traits, um, symptoms of OCD, uh, which had never been treated. And I was seeing more and more of these folks who had been treated for one disorder and not the other. And so yeah. what would happen is that maybe one disorder, let's say more so the eating disorder got a lot better, whether they were being treated by an eating disorder provider or were in treatment, a higher level of care for eating disorders. And so their eating disorder got much better, but their OCD would skyrocket because yeah. it wasn't being treated. So I felt like I really needed to develop a specialty and uh, to treat both disorders simultaneously, because otherwise it has this seesaw effect where one, as I was mentioning, one disorder gets better, the other one gets worse. I can't agree with you more. I think absolutely. And as you're talking, this you know goes back to what we were just speaking of in the beginning. You are a dynamic clinician. Thank this you. is this is one of the main reasons I really appreciate working together with you because it is not sitting still with the patient. It is really thinking about these, you know, in an OCD eating disorder case, what are the exposures? How many sessions do the exposures take? Like you really have, you have plans at the same time you're now combining you know, your level of how you work in that motivation with dropping the rope, which I think is super interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing I've learned too, is just like you were saying, the seesaw effect, because a lot of the time, at least in the younger patients that I see, but it could be, you know, any age range, the eating disorders covering the OCD. So, so then we help the eating disorder get better because that may be the most acute presentation, right? We want to endeavor to help someone be in a, you know, like a healthier spot, considering things like lab values and, you know, things that would be more acute. But then the OCD, as you're saying, skyrockets. And then what do we do? And I think when you and I work together, it's it's such a great combination of you know, nourishment, medicine, but they, but that has to be hand in hand with patients meeting with you once to twice a week, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, just to add to that, first of all, I love working with you, Robin, because and because you understand both disorders and you are such a, you know, a provider who is so holistic. You look at the whole person rather than just one one part of the person. So that's what you treat everything. Um, you really look at the nutrition, the psychopharmacology um, when working and then the whole person, their their needs. We like to look at the whole person in terms of what is their life like. And we've I've talked about that on this podcast before with other clinicians too. We want to get a picture of what what is their life like in a week? How do they sleep? How do they fall asleep, stay asleep, wake up early? You know, what are their what are their relationships like with coworkers, with family, with friends, with partners, all of that, right? 
That's right. We want, we need to look at all of that. There's strengths because so many, many of these folks have so many strengths and so many providers just really look at the pathology rather than what this client has done, their strengths, their qualities, um, and all of that. So yes, super, super important. And that is really why collaborating with you is just so great. Well, you're very sweet. So I want to go back to one thing that we always hear from Karen, which is anxiety is your best friend. <laughs> and we've we've presented on this. We've done it many times where I've heard you say to rooms full of clinicians, anxiety is your best friend. How would we think about anxiety is your best friend in OCD? I know the answer, but I would love our listeners to hear that from you. Sure. Yes. Um, anxiety, yes, is your best friend. I tell all of my clients this, all of my colleagues, because, you know, a lot of clients do go into and one of their goals is I want to get rid of my anxiety. I just don't want to have this anxiety. So I'll tell them, you know, I'm not your gal. You need to go and see another. I love that. <laughs> another <laughs> provider, um, not me, because we're actually going to bring on the anxiety because, you know, we all have a certain level of anxiety. And in fact, I just want to, you know, make this a little bit personal about myself. You know, I have anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety coming on this podcast. We talked oh, about it. That's mm -hmm. right. I avoided yeah. it for a long time, you know, and I, you know, so I let my anxiety drive the bus. It was my anxiety, which was determining, well, you know, Karen, you, nah, you, you shouldn't do this because you're too anxious to do a podcast. And then when I thought about it, boy, I'm so hypocritical. I tell people, you know, you can't let your fear dictate what you do or don't do. So I leaned into my anxiety and came on to this podcast this morning. You, you are doing awesome. And <laughs> we you. we worked together in terms of making this happen. So, uh, but it, that's that's a great example. And I think the other the other piece that I enjoy working with you on and the clinicians and the collaborative and really the clinicians we both surrounded ourselves with. Um, so there's a lot of crossover is clinicians who actually are continuing to do their own work. So you're doing your own work, right? Is it fair to say by leaning into your anxiety and coming on today? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That is my own work. Yeah, And I need to do my own work in order. And that's the foundation for my treatment. If I'm not doing okay and grounded and doing my work, I can't be fully present with my clients. Right, right. And there is that, that is another seesaw. So let's go back a little bit to OCD and eating disorders and what might be, you know, we had gone over a couple of questions we wanted to review today, but I just love to hear from you, like, what are the things that maybe stand out in terms of in the OCD and eating disorder, what appears first? Or is there kind of a crossover that it gets kind of fuzzy? So, so what I've noticed with many of my clients is that, you know, most of them experience their OCD symptoms first. Um, not always the case, but oftentimes when I do a full assessment, they tell me, yeah, when I was a kid, you know, I remember having some of these OCD symptoms, but I just ignored them. And oftentimes they didn't get treatment until their eating disorder started to flare up. So generally I see that that starts off on um, the OCD. 
But then, you know, it can morph into the the eating disorder and it can go back and forth um, between the eating disorder, the OCD, and sometimes they're just both working really well. And I'm being facetious there Mm -hmm. um, really well together. um, And and that's when it becomes problematic. Well, and I think that's when we can really start to see discomfort. And that's I'm using that word as an understatement in a client or patient, right? Because if we then go in and are really treating the eating disorder, because it's more of the acute situation that's presenting, that causes so much distress in this human that we're trying to help and that they're trying to help themselves. So the OCD will really start, not start to flare, but really present itself in terms of diagnostics and in terms of how we might see a, a newer patient where we're not maybe sure if they have OCD when that acuity with the eating disorder is then not quelled, but sort of is being treated. Is that fair? Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. I mean, generally, yes, when things start falling apart for the client with the eating disorder, that's when they um, definitely go and they pursue treatment. Um, And, you know, that's when it's so important. I mean, really, a a provider really needs to assess them for both disorders way before, but oftentimes it just doesn't come to the surface until things get really bad for the client. Well, because their anxiety is working right? They've, they've been able to create these ways of functioning because they're being their best selves. They're, they're trying really hard to exist. And so they may be difficult to uncover. Yeah, that's right. You know, I want to talk about the function a little bit. That's so important. Um, and so good that you brought that up, Robin. So they both serve a function like any disorder. Mm. And so looking at the function, so it really does work. You know, so many of these folks, they're able to manage their anxiety for a long period of time. They're able to suppress their anxiety through these disorders. So it's working, but then it stops working. And when when it starts interfering with their life, with their social life, their relationships, their, um, their jobs, that's when they start seeking treatment. And then it stops functioning. So we do want to recognize that, yeah, you know, honor the disorders. I always say that I also have been trained in IFS, internal Mm -hmm. family systems, where it's so, so incredibly important to honor these parts because they've worked for them. The way I like to say it with a lot of my patients and clients, when I hear them put themselves down for their eating disorder or their OCD or any of their symptoms, is I like to go back to these things have served you. Mm -hmm. These things have, have been your coping mechanisms. And if we label them, and not just coping mechanisms, that's really sort of not a complete way of describing it but if if we can be gentle with and we'll we'll use the word parts right we can be gentle with those parts and the way that this has served you it's it's going to be a much easier way to think of things in your mind and in your heart because the compassion towards the OCD and the eating disorder and all the pieces that come with that is very important Yes, very, very important. Um, And when you say compassion, compassion is so important in this treatment. There's such a stigma 
Um, you know, and I know you've talked about this on some of your other podcasts, you know, the stigma of mental health, so much shame. And so we need to really, really help clients become more compassionate towards themselves and recognize that they use their eating disorder, OCD, or what have you to serve them. It's work. Right. And a very wise person has said this to me multiple times. She says, shame is part of our social fabric, right? So we are taught that we need to be ashamed of the way maybe our OCD or eating disorder or our anxiety has actually served us. So it's getting into that, which is really hard work. It is really hard work. Working with shame is incredibly hard. And it is part of our, I can't remember how you put it, but part of our fabric. Right. Social fabric. Yeah. Social yeah. fabric. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's um, right. Yeah. And we've been shamed by, you know, so many people along the way. I mean, whether it be parents, teachers, providers, all kinds of people. So it's so incredibly important to, to work on that shame and have clients be compassionate towards themselves. Yeah. So just, I want to just review for a minute here. We've talked about how we met. We've talked about how you became interested in working with eating disorders and OCD. We've talked about how sometimes it's really the OCD presenting first, and then the eating disorder can kind of cover that. But then we have this seesaw effect that's determined and presented by symptoms and treatment. This is really, really important for for your listeners. To yes, hear, is that you know the the OCD doesn't always present first. Thank um, you, I appreciate yeah. that. Yep. Sometimes it's the eating disorder, and what I've noticed, um, and what many of us have noticed in the field, is that if a client is sick with their eating disorder, if they're not eating, if they're not nourishing, engaging in lots of eating disorder behaviors, their OCD, they may not even have a biological OCD presentation, but their OCD may skyrocket because if your body, and you know this really well, if their body isn't nourished, then their brain isn't going to be nourished. So that's sometimes what we see is a client, their OCD, once they become nourished, may go away completely. I really appreciate how you put that because then we can really try to move forward in terms of recovery in other ways. Fair? Fair, very okay. fair. So what I'd love to have you back on the show for is is more specifics. I know you're probably sitting there thinking, Rob, I've done this once. I don't know if I want to do it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm, I'm, I'll probably have you back on because I would love to talk more in sort of a um, eating disorders and OCD version two or sort of episode two regarding kind of specifically more around the themes of the OCD changing and how someone might exhibit their symptoms more specifically, but we can talk about that. Um, Any other pearls, Karen, or anything else you might want to share today? I don't mean to put you on the spot. Um, I, I think, you know, we've talked about a lot, you know, and 
what I do want to say is, you know, I've done, and this is something I tell my clients, um, once you do something, so first of all, I will say, yes, I will come on your show again. Thank it you. It really <laughs> was not as bad as I anticipated. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, that's something that so many of my clients say, wow, Karen, I did the exposure and it wasn't that bad. There you but go. Sometimes it's our head that's speaking this anticipatory anxiety saying, I'm not going to get through this. I'm going to mess up. We come up with all sorts of cognitive distortions and faulty thinking ourselves. So, so I do want to say, yeah, that, that most definitely happens. And for me in particular, and it just, it really wasn't that bad. And so now because I did this, I mean, I'll call it an exposure, but um, awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah. is that it's I'm ready to do the next one. I have more confidence. And that's what the work is all about is developing the confidence. Like I can do this. I can do this. Not perfectly. Even if I mess up, it's not the end of the world. Exactly. So that's where the work really happens. Yeah. Perfectly imperfect. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, you're a star. I love, love working with you. We've talked about that enough, but I think, just, you know, having this discussion is is a great example for anyone who's listening as well, you know, around how we present, because we do present very well together in conferences and presentations. I enjoy that. That is so rich and immensely just gratifying um, to share. So we have so you. much fun when we present. Together. I know we do. Um, we we really do. do. We make it fun and we've gotten so much wonderful feedback on our presentation. So we got to do another one. Soon. Oh, we're doing, we're doing more. This is, yeah. this is, this is an ongoing process with you and I. Yes. All right, my dear, you're a star. Thank you so Thank much. You. And we'll have you on again. Thanks so much, Robin, for having me. You take good care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the NPRD podcast with Robin Kievit. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate and review us and share this valuable podcast with friends and family. Help and hope is found here. For more, just go to robinkievit.com. That's R-O-B-Y-N-K-I-E-V-I-T.com or check out the NPRD.com.